Thanks for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. We're in a series right now called God in the Margins. Now, what is a margin? Well, a margin is the space that we don't use. It's not central. It's on the periphery. It's the place that we usually ignore. And yet, when we read the Gospel of Luke, we discover something surprising. Jesus loved the margin. He spent most of his time with people who were forgotten and ignored. So join us in this series as we learn that God doesn't just love the margins. God is in the margins. And of course, be sure to check us out at tablechurchdsm.org and reach out if you need anything at all. Now, please enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, church. Let's try that again. Good morning, church. There we go. I like that a little bit better. Before we begin, um, I want to share about an opportunity that we have coming up. We have a lot of things going on at the church. We're so blessed. We have a lot of activities. You know, we, we have the activities that... Um, Megan was sharing, and we even have more things to share with you. So it's exciting, all the stuff we have going on. So this is an opportunity we shared before. We just want to share, remind about it. So every Friday, the Food Bank of Iowa puts uh, bags that they create um, for, for students and families that they give so they can have food through the weekend. So they serve over 5,000 students and families every single week. And so we've been invited as an opportunity to put motivational cards inside these bags. So next Saturday, uh, February 18th at the Ministry Center, February 18th at the Ministry Center, we will be um, writing the cards, putting them together. Everyone's welcomed, all ages, kids, families. It'll be a good time to just encourage and support these families in our community. So please, on your connection card, uh, you can just say like motivational card or something like that, and we'll be sure to share all the information you need. So motivational cards, and we'll be sure to get you connected on that. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us the gift of life to see this day. Thank you for each and everyone who has come to be with us this morning to worship with us. Uh, Father, I'm very privileged and honored to be in front of them to share your message but it is your message, and I'm asking that I could be merely used as a vessel to communicate what you have for us. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit can move amidst us, that we can have open hearts, open minds, and open souls to hear what you have in store for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. There was a man in a community that lived, he had a good family. He had a wife and three beautiful daughters. This man was a pretty good upstanding citizen. He always helped others whenever he could. He was extremely involved in his church. He volunteered and also always made sure to be there every single Sunday. In his marriage, there were challenges here and there but nothing different than any other marriage. He had a really good job. He was an engineer. He loved to work with his hands and create and build new and great things in his community. Some years passed. He was fortunate. He was saving some money, and he was fortunate to buy this piece of land that he was hoping to build a forever home for his wife and three kids. And so this year, he had broken ground. And because he's an engineer and understands the technical part of things, he's able to design and build this home 
how he's always envisioned it. So one morning he wakes up to go to work. And as he's getting ready in the bathroom, he he looks at his hand, and in his fingers he sees a little bit of some weird scaling, um, dryness of of the skin. He looks at it and says, oh, I guess this is something just different, and he thinks it's going to go away. So he proceeds to go to work. A couple days later, again, he noticed that it's now not only in his fingers, but it's in the rest of his wrist. So he proceeds to to talk to his wife and say, hey, can you see this? I said, yeah, that, that doesn't look good, but maybe it will go away, she says. Two days later, it proceeds to start moving up from his wrist towards his arm. So he talks to his wife and says, hey, listen, I think there's something going on here. She said, indeed, it's spreading. Let us go see a skin specialist. So they go to a skin specialist, and he looks at it, and the skin specialist also says, I think it will go away. It might just be a weird rash, a a weird something that's happening. Maybe you touch something that is reacting on you. But then three days later, it had proceeded to move up his arm. And so he went back to the skin specialist and said, Doctor, please, can we find out what is going on? I am concerned. So he takes a sample and runs some tests. And a few days later, the doctor the skin specialist calls a man and says, he's at work at this point and says, you shall not go home. He says, what do you mean? He says, you shall not and will not go home to your wife, to your three daughters. You are to never go back home and you need to be put away from our community because you are suffering from leprosy. We're in a sermon series called God in the Margins. We believe that God existed in areas, perhaps that sometimes as Christians, perhaps that sometimes as people in the community, we neglect from time to time. But we believe that's where Jesus and God did his ministry. And so let us look at the scripture this morning from Luke chapter 5, and it reads from verse 12 to verse 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. When Jesus ordered him, do not tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This morning we're going to have a simple Bible teaching. It's simple, but there's some three key points that I really believe are life-changing because they changed my life, and I hope to share with you how they did this morning. So let us go verse by verse. Let's start with 12, as we just read. It says, the man was covered with leprosy. It means it was severe. It means that it had moved to a part of no return. It means this man... For recovery, it was impossible. 
It was out of the question. It had covered his whole body. It says, he fell on his face on the ground when he saw Jesus. He recognized the power and the authority of this man Jesus in front of him. I wonder sometimes if we recognize what this power is. Do we realize that when we come in here and we say, Christ is my firm foundation, we are talking about the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the whole universe. He was amongst us. He was in front of this man, and this man realized and fell on his face. He says, if you are willing... It's not a command. It's not an expectation. It's not a demand. It's if you are willing. It is a request in humility. I wonder sometimes if our prayers really have this posture. Sometimes we go to God and say, God, I need this job. God, I need this thing. God, help me in this way in my life. It needs to be if he wills it, then it shall be so. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Realize, this man has 100% faith in Jesus' power to heal him. He just says, you just got to will it. If you will it, it is done. It is not a question of, can he heal me? It is only, if you are willing, it is done. Verse 13. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. You see, during this time in history, people who had leprosy were outcasts. This is a story I shared earlier. So they were abandoned and thrown out of their communities. And the reason why is because they believed that if you were with a leper, you would get leprosy. So you cannot be anywhere close to them. You can't even touch them. And it's actually interesting enough with modern science and where we are today, we actually learned that is not the case. You can actually go be, like you can shake a hand of someone who has leprosy. It's not going to um, infect you immediately. You have to spend long periods of time with them to have the leprosy. So you could still serve them. You could still take care of them. Leviticus 13 says, verse 45 to 46 says, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone and outside of the camp. This did not stop Jesus. He bends over and touches the man. You see, it, it gives me a picture like with my son, Ellis. You know, he's playing in the house, doing a lot of things. He's so excited, full of energy. Sometimes he's tossing the toys a little too hard. And so we stop him, myself and my wife, and we're like, Ellis, you need to not throw your toys. But he's not getting it. Sometimes you got to get down on his level. Look at him in the eye, pause the energy, and say, Ellis, if you throw your toys, you're going to break him. And I know you love to play with your toys. Please don't throw your toys. 
And you can see even at that young age, he's, he's, he's hearing what you're saying and he's stopping at his tracks and trying to handle his toys a little bit better. Jesus is doing the same thing. He comes to this man, he meets him where he's at, and he touches him. You're not supposed to be with a leper. You're not supposed to touch your leper. You're not even supposed to be close with him. They're supposed to be outside of your camp. But what does Jesus do? He comes and touches the man. Do you really understand what that means? This same Jesus that we serve, the, who we love, who is our Lord, he wants to be close with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to be on our level. We just have to invite him. Jesus says, I am willing. Do you know what that statement means? It says sickness and disease was never supposed to exist. It means I can heal you from whatever issues or problems that are affecting your body. That is the authority that God has against any disease, against any sickness in this world. He says, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. Does that sound familiar? Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be blank, and it was so. The same God from Genesis 1 is right here with this man. Church, do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe that he can move mightily in our lives? Do you believe that he can move mountains? Because this man did and he was healed. This brings us to our first point. Meet the outcast where they are just like Jesus did. Table church. Outcasts are most likely not amongst us here this morning. They probably don't look like us. They probably don't think like us. They probably don't vote like us. They're probably not in our places of work. They're probably not in our neighborhoods, but they're in neighborhoods maybe just five, ten minutes away. But we do not go to those neighborhoods because we deem them unsafe. They're in our schools, but we are so busy with our own lives and our own activities and all the things we do that we can't even get to know them. They are the minorities. They are the immigrants. They are the refugees. They are the teenage mothers. They are the single parents. Those are the outcasts. Those are the people who are struggling in our community. That Jesus is saying, let's get where they are. Let's get on their level. Let's meet them and share the love of Christ with them. Verse 14, he says, don't tell anyone. So I find this part a little bit funny, okay? So to me, if I was the man, this is how it would go with Jesus. I'd be like, hello, Jesus. You realize I have been suffering from leprosy all these years. I have been put away from my family, my whole community, and now I'm healed and you're saying, I shouldn't go talk to, and tell anyone about it. Cool story, bro. And I move away. Come on. A life-changing thing has happened to me. But look at the next parts of this verse. He says, show yourself to the priest. That's why he said, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. You know why? 
Because the priest is the one who most likely said he was unclean. The priest says you're clean if you're healed and says you're unclean when you have leprosy. So that same priest, you should go to him, he says, because he realizes when he goes to the priest, there's only a few accounts in the whole Bible, in the whole law at that time, the Old Testament, that the priest would have known where only God would have healed someone from leprosy. So, if he went to him and said, I am healed, and it's the same man who had leprosy, he would know something big had happened. He would know something supernatural had happened. He would know something great. He would know that God, the Messiah, is amongst us. Cleansing of this form of leprosy is only miraculous. And then he says, offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded. Jesus is giving the priests a chance to join in his ministry. He is saying, I am here on earth. The Messiah is finally here. The good news, come join me. But we know they do not do that. Jesus is giving them an opportunity to do what? To give praise and glory to God who brought that healing. Verse 15. The news spread. People came to be healed. I'm afraid you might miss what's going on here. All the people cared for was what? Healing. They didn't want to come and know this Jesus. They didn't want to have a relationship with this Jesus. They just wanted what? Healing. Don't get me wrong. I believe that God can move mightily to heal people. Whatever sickness, whatever disease. He did it with this leper. He did it. And I believe we should pray for when we need healing in our lives or for people who need healings in our lives. But what I'm saying here is what happens if he does not heal the disease? What happens if the disease leads into death? Is that where the faith stops? Is that where the belief in God stops? The world is in a desperate need of a savior, not a savior who we want, but a savior who wants us. The one who wants full relationship with us, if and only if, we sang it earlier, I surrender. If and only if we surrender. He has full power and authority to eradicate anything only if we join him. This brings us to the second point. Pursue God's glory above all, and the rest will come. Church, table church here, exist to do what? To invite people in the way of Jesus. If we are to position ourselves to love and invite and care for the outcasts so they can be a part of our community, it should only be because we are witnesses to Jesus and what he has done in our lives. That's the only motivation. I have been blessed to be a part of this church right from the beginning. In fact, my wife, Nyla, she found uh, the ad on Instagram and came to launch, launch Sunday. I believe I was traveling in Africa at the time. But soon after, we came and became part of the church. We got involved. 
And I was given more and more opportunities through this church. I was given opportunities to serve in leadership as I got to know Phil, as I got to know the rest of the leadership team. And it has been an amazing experience. But sometimes, I'll be honest, church, it can feel like this. It can feel like, wow, look at me. I give up all my Tuesdays to help these kids who need help with math and reading. Look at me. I'm volunteering, spending all this time finding ways we can make the church better. Ah, look at me. I'm doing such great work in this community. It becomes the Moses show and not the Jesus show. Jesus is no longer in the front seat. He's not in the driver's seat. He's in the back of the car. That is wrong. That is detrimental. What it should be is this. Moses, why do you volunteer to help Table Church? Because of Jesus. Moses, why do you do what you do with Rise Up? Because of Jesus. Moses, why do you stand here in front of these people and give this sermon? Because of Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross. That he died for me. That I am forgiven. I am saved. I am forever sealed with him in eternity. Praise the Lord, church. That is the reason I will beat as much as I can in this life. It is the reason I will serve as much as I can in this life. Because guess what? The work is finished. Verse 16. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It says, but. You see, that first word, but. What did we just see in verse 15? It was all about the crowds growing, people coming to see him, people coming to get healed. But he says, but, hold on, stop. Jesus often, not when he had time, not when people were not looking for him, not when he felt like it, but often withdrew to lonely places. In other words, Jesus, thousands of years ago, where there was probably a lot less distractions than today, knew that there were still enough distractions to keep him away from praying. He chose places that are solitary and prayed. Have you ever wondered? You see, because this line right here, this verse, is all over the Gospels. We hear he's doing things, he's doing things, he's doing ministry, and then whew, he's gone. Because why? Often he did this. Often. So we even see it in writing. Have you ever wondered if Jesus, who is God himself, is praying? Like praying to yourself? That sounds weird. It really does. No. Quite the contrary. He understands that he needs to be in communion with God the Father and God the Spirit. He understands that the Trinity needs to be one all through. He understands that he needs the Father as much as he needs the Spirit, as much as they need the Son. That is the design that we is put in front of us as Christians. And so, church, if Jesus, who is God needs that much community with God, the Father, God, the Spirit. How much more do we need? Sometimes the best thing we can do amidst the rush of life is to slow down and listen to God. We need to live prayer-filled lives. 
I have struggled in this area. I'll be very honest. I've struggled in this area for many, many times as a Christian. Because it has felt, honestly, how Pastor Phil said when he was praying. It feels like I'm shooting those arrows. I was hoping, like, ah, we'll see what God does. I've struggled because I've heard people say, I had God's voice tell me such and such. I'm like, I'm praying, man. Why don't I hear nothing? I've struggled because I live in America, a country that pushes the idea of personal freedom. What can I achieve? How great can I be? What can I make out of myself? So I live in a country with tenants that teach me, Moses, whatever you want, whatever you will, you can do it. And so what happens? Something bad happens, something comes in my life, maybe something going on, guess what? I can fix it. I can do it. I don't need God for that. I'm going to say it out loud, but that's what I'm doing. I don't need God for that. So this year, actually end of last year, the beginning of this year, I said something got to look a little different. Some got to look a little different. And I remember when I was a child in Africa, my father, he's a pastor, he used to drag me and my siblings to go to church on New Year's Eve so that we can pray through the whole night into New Year's Day in the morning. I hated that experience. I hated it. Dad, why do we have to go do this thing? It's actually a funny story about this. <laughs> I just remembered. I was, they took me one time. I'll come back to this other story. But they took me one time, and we had chairs in the church. And so they get to a section, and they say, hey, guys, uh, pray on your own, right? Take your own posture. So you go in the room. Some people are here, there. So I decide. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the chair. So I go. I kneel down like this, and I'm praying on the chair. Hey. Service is going on. They've now come back to singing. They're like, man, spirit is really moving in Moses. He's still praying over there. Like, whoa, he's going at it. Wow. Ah. And then my mom looks and is like, ah, something's not right. Man, I was zonked out. <laughs> back to what I was saying. <laughs> so as, as my dad would drag us to this, I said, dad. What are you praying for all throughout the night? I can pray all my prayers in five minutes. You guys are not efficient. Let's use our time wisely, huh? As I said now, in the last couple months or so, I decided I'm going to be more intentional in this area. And I wake up in the mornings to want to spend time with the Lord, being solitary from all the distractions, from everything else going on in my life, to spend time with the Lord. And it is amazing what he can do. It is amazing what God can do. First off, I don't have enough time to pray all the prayers I want to pray. Secondly, what I talked about not hearing God's voice, it's because my eyes were not looking in the right way. 
It is right there in front of me. As I would pray in the morning, I would go through my day, and I would just stop in something, somewhere, something, whether it's a walk, whether it's my family, and I'm like, there is God speaking something to me. It is so beautiful. It is so good when you know that he's there with you, and it only happens if and only if we create the time and the space for it. We have to create the time and the space for it. And so it brings me to the last point. And it says, to best love the outcast, we need to be in constant communion with God through prayer. Is your life in a constant hurry? Going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. See, Americans, we like to wear this really closely. Man, busy, busy. Got stuff I got to do. Places I got to be, people I got to see. Right? We love it. But you realize these people, these obligations, these commitments are only taken away from your time. The best thing you can do is withdraw like Jesus and go into prayer. Martin Luther himself used to spend three hours a day praying. And someone came and said, Martin Luther, three hours a day, whoa, that's amazing. He said, well, what about when you're busy? He said, I pray for. He knows that the busyness will take away from his prayer life and that he needs to prioritize it. And Jesus did the same church. Our fellowship and closeness with God is our number one priority if we're going to be in effective service to him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word from Luke. I pray that with what we've learned, what we've heard, what we've heard, that our hearts will be opened to be convicted by your spirit, to live a life that loves those who are marginalized because we know you're concerned with them and we should be concerned with those you're concerned with. I pray that we can live lives that are prayerful, lives that seek to be in relationship with you all the time, all and through. And this morning, Father, I want to pray specifically, as we read here about the man being healed from leprosy, I want to pray for our congregation. If there is someone in this room that perhaps is suffering from some sort of sickness or disease, Father, you know it. You know what is going on in their lives. Or maybe it's a family member. You know them. I am asking that they can feel the hands of Jesus on them. That they can feel the power of your healing coming to them. Whatever specialists, whatever doctors are working with, can you give them more insight, more power to understand and find solutions for these people who are suffering? I pray that you bring this healing power because I know it is possible. You can do it. You did not intend for this sickness to exist. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Thank you for him. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen.